Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. I'm going to read from uh, John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if, it weren't, if God weren't in on it. And Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. How can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? And Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hoovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that, a body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above, by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Nicodemus asked, what do you mean by this? How does this happen? And Jesus said, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics? Listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what, you, what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing secondhand here, no hearsay. Yet, instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. If I tell you things that are plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use, what use is there in telling you of these things that you can't see and the things of God? No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, and everyone who looks to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. John chapter 3. We just finished Ephesians. Uh, and Ephesians actually is a very good reminder to us. As you, if you were here, we talked about it. My uh, Bible translation that I'm going to write someday, where all of the yous that are supposed to be y'alls will be changed to y'alls. Because it's important that we look at us together as one whole, as the body of Christ, as not as individuals. But for these last three weeks of Easter, uh, I'm pretty excited about this. George Hulse and I have talked for a while about doing a series together. So he's doing it over at Shoreline, and then uh, we're doing it over here where we do it together and share notes and go through it. So we chose to go through John chapter 3, verse 16. 
I know very, um, uh, you probably never heard of this verse before. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now when you hear this verse, um, you've heard it before. Maybe you've even studied it. But when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that one. Because that's what we do, right? Something's familiar. And when it's familiar, it becomes boring. But the reason it's familiar is because it's good. Now that doesn't mean there aren't things that are out there that are very familiar that aren't very good. There are things like that that are out there that are very familiar But if it were to come on TV, this thing comes on like at least three times a day. Um, If I ever turn on the television, it seems like this sucker's playing. I'm not going to watch it. I know some of you love this. uh, We had a roommate, dear friend of ours, who loved the the books. Um, If that sucker comes on, I'm not watching it. And that's, well, I don't want to rip on the movie. Some of you, I might be breaking your heart right now. I'm sorry. But there are certain movies that if they come on, they're familiar. But when they come on, they're so beautiful, I can't help it. I, my whole life stops. <laughs> Everything freezes. If it's Ocean's 11, 12, 13, I'm in. It doesn't matter. If it's Thanksgiving dinner and that thing comes on, it's like, whoa, hold on. We'll eat later. Shawshank Redemption, Goodwill Hunting, The Mission. A river runs through it. Boom, life stops. That's the way it should be with John 3.16. There is so much depth. There is so much richness in this passage. Three weeks is not enough. I heard of another pastor that did it for 16 weeks just on John chapter 3, verse 16. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to kind of well, to skim the surface of it. But if we're going to jump into John chapter 3.16, and we talk about this all the time, because of course you've developed this new pattern in your life of reading the word of God every day, right? Yes, of course you have. And if you haven't, I will keep getting on you about it because it's, it's worth it. It is, it's, well, we'll talk more about that. So what we're gonna do, if you're going to read the word of God, is you have to read it in context. You can't just take John chapter three, verse 16, and pull it out and go, God said this for the whole world, he said it for me. No, he said it to a guy named Nick. Now his name is Nicodemus. We read about him earlier in the passage. Um, But if you have a four-syllable name, I don't care what time you were born, what culture, it's gonna get shrunk down, you're gonna get a nickname. So for this morning, we're not going to call him Nicodemus, not because it's not an official name, not because it's not beautiful, but because no one else at that time would have called him Nicodemus, right? Anyone here have a four-syllable name? Nicoletta. Exactly. I think I'm the only one that has ever called you Nicoletta at any kind of consistency. Everybody calls you Nick or Nicky, right? Exactly. So, oh my gosh, Nicodemus, Nicoletta, I didn't even think about it. What a connection there. So we're going to look at Nicodemus, okay? Um, You need to know a little bit about Nick and his background, so this makes sense, says there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. You read that and you move on. Okay, some guy guy of the blah, blah, blahs, of the fa-fa-fa's, part of the Jewish ruling council. That's a big deal. 
That is a big deal. You don't just run into that at the age of 21. You don't fall into that job. Um, a Pharisee. Those were the leading Jewish rulers. They were the, they were the pastors of the pastors of the pastors. They were in charge. This was a, a society where the church was in charge. Um, so he was part of the ruling council, or the Sanhedrin is what their official name was. So he was not only one of the Pharisees, but one of the leaders of the Pharisees. And so it says that he came to Jesus at night. Now we hear about Nick later in, in the Bible. We hear about him later in John. And almost always he's referred to as, you know, Nicodemus, the one that came at night. He had to come at night. Why would you not do something during the day, but you had to do it at night because you didn't want to be seen? And it has to do with the fact that he's a Pharisee and he's part of the Sanhedrin. And you know what it's like when you, when you don't want to be seen, right? Like, um, I mean, that's why I'm the master of Amazon.com now. I, I don't want to go to stores. I don't want to wander around. Those, I, I, and and I, I'm that guy. And so I know I can just go on and it just shows up on my door. I can be invisible. But why is Nicodemus trying to be invisible? Because he doesn't want to be seen. Because the Pharisees were at odds with Jesus. And Jesus was at odds with the Pharisees. And in fact, it was the Pharisees that were primarily involved in making the decision for Jesus to be crucified. And yet this Pharisee wants to meet Jesus. He wants to meet him at off hours, not during business hours, but he wants to talk to him. But he can't be seen with him. And you know what you do when you don't want to be seen, right? So you can imagine what Nicodemus is doing. He's probably wearing a hat. He's not wearing his official stuff. He knows all the back roads to take. You know, how, you know how to get through a certain store or you know how to get somewhere so that you're not seen, right? You know what times to go. You know what to wear to be invisible. And so that's what Nick is doing here. He comes to Jesus at night and he comes hidden because he's putting a lot on the line. To become a Pharisee, to become part of the Sanhedrin, you have to have a family that's planned it for you. You have to grow up into a family where it's, it's highly esteemed and you have to go to the right schools. and You have to be the best of the best because you can't just try. You have to be gifted to do this. You have to have a really, or a, a brilliant mind, a sharp mind. You have to be able to figure these things out. So for him to do this, he had to sacrifice a lot. His family had to sacrifice a lot. For him to come to Jesus, he has to come at night because if he comes during the day and he's seen either by one of the Pharisees or someone else that tells one of the Pharisees, hey, I saw Nick hanging out with Jesus at night. What? All of that that he had built up, all of that effort, all of that time, all of that money, all of the family sacrifices that had to go into him being gone. This is a weird question. Does anybody have any readers? Glasses? <laughs> 1.5s? Because now this thing just turned off. And I, I know it's really fancy, but the screen here is so small, there's no way to read these. Eric's trying to give me signals. Oh, you're the bit. Are these your backups? These are your wife's. <laughs> All righty. 
Here we go. Like I was saying. So in your Bibles, open up to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So he comes at night, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. He calls him Rabbi, and he calls him teacher. Whoa. 1.5s? Three? Something's higher? Oh, that's why it's so big. Gotcha. See, I'm new to this whole reading glass thing. I should have brought my own. That's how, un, that's how unprepared I am with these glass things. They're new for me. Uh, so he, he calls him rabbi and he calls him teacher, but he doesn't call him Lord. For no one could perform the signs, the miracles, if God were not with him. So Jesus just jumps right into it. He's not even asking a question. Nick isn't. But Jesus just jumps right into it. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You've heard that phrase before, right? Born again. This is where it comes from. But it doesn't mean probably what you think it means. And we see Nicodemus is completely confused on what it means. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asks. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Okay, Nick here is not trying to hassle Jesus. He's not trying to be sarcastic. He's really confused. What does that mean? What do you mean be born again? But here's something we're going to miss. When they're talking about birth, your birth, the blood that flows through your veins, your ancestry is huge because they believed that only the Jews, those born from the bloodline of Abraham, were God's chosen. And so, not only do you have to do all the right things and build everything up, but you need to be born into the right, the right ethnicity. And so in this, pro this is just one of those Sundays, isn't it? <laughs> Let me just tell you what happened this morning. So the truck, for the first time in eight years, did not show up in time. So we had to set up church. It was pretty impressive. 14 minutes they set up church, front and back. On top of that, we had um, another, well, I don't want to give you the details behind it, but something very significant happened to someone's family. Um, we've got this pigeon trying to get in. We've got this going in and out. So you know what? God must be trying to do something this morning, so I'm going to pray for us and pray especially that we have hearts to hear. Father, I thought about this morning when I felt frazzled and, and such a hard time waking up, Lord. I thought, you must want to do something this morning. So we want to pause, and if we haven't already done, we want to surrender ourselves to you and ask that you speak to us, to us, not just me, not just the I, but to all of us, Father. Join us together underneath you. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. When you know it, now this is going out. Did someone pray for that? Yeah. Unbelievable. That's up on the screen, but it ain't here. <laughs> I'm not in control now. Unbelievable. You just want your glasses back. It's resetting it? Okay, let me give that a shot. Okay, I think I'm there. Watch this. Boom. 
Yeah, now we're talking. Okay, although I probably still need these glasses. Thank you. Where was I since everything fell apart? What was the last thing I said? Ish? I know you were paying close to, you weren't, were you? <laughs> you were thinking about your fantasy surfer team, weren't you? <sighs> Jewish bloodline, there we go, thank you. So when he's talking about being born again, that's significant because to be born again, he's saying, look, your Jewish descent doesn't mean anything in terms of the kingdom of God now. What? Think about, not only did he build all this up, not, not only did he go to all this effort, but he was born into it. And this is something that you need to know about the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter your birth. It doesn't matter what your parents have done, good or bad. We are all equal. We all have the opportunity to be born again. And this term born again means to be born from above. It's something that happened with God's spirit that re-restores us, that recreates inside of us. And that's what Nick needs right now. How can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb. And Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then Nick says, how can this be? And he says, you're Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? And Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and this is later in John chapter seven, we're gonna see Nicodemus's life get transformed. The reason that we have to look back at Nicodemus' life before we can truly understand John 3.16 is this. Because we need to understand what it means when Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the sacrifice that God gave, he's also asking Nicodemus to do. He's asking Nicodemus to give up everything. For Nicodemus to show up, for Nick to be in front of Jesus, he's already sacrificing a lot. And now, Jesus is saying, it has nothing to do with what you've already done. You've gotta start over. It's not about your birth, it's not about your education. You need to be born again. And in that idea, in that concept, means you need to start over. To be born again sounds so pretty, doesn't it? I bet that if a baby could talk, and if he could remember, if we could remember what it was like to be born, and then someone, hey, you get to do that all over again. I don't think we'd wanna do that. That does not look like a fun experience for any human being, which is why I think it happens to babies, so that they can completely repress it and not remember it. But Nicodemus, as an adult, is being asked to be born again. You are being asked to be born again. You are being asked to start over. Think of your life and all the effort that you've put in, all that you've sacrificed to be where you're at to start over. Nobody likes to start over. Have you ever gotten Ikea furniture before? <laughs> Don't do it. It sounds like a great idea. Well, look how inexpensive it is. Look how pretty it looks in the place. Look how it looks in the picture until it shows up in a hundred pieces. So Zeke, I got permission to give this, this uh, experience we had together. 
he's great at building things. And so um, his sister didn't have a dresser. She hasn't had a real dresser. She's nine years old. She hasn't had a real dresser since she's been born, which is no big deal if you're a boy. But if you're a girl without a legitimate dresser, I think some consider it child abuse. So she finally got this Ikea dresser, and we asked, I asked Zeke to do it because I didn't want to put that thing together. But I knew he loved it. He loves to build. And, but he's also 12. So he's building this thing, and, and we give him the directions, and we're like, buddy, you got to follow the directions. So he goes, and he's done this. This is like the first time we've given him something to build. He, all, he builds everything. And so he's building it. And I come up, and he's like, it's not fitting together. So we're putting the drawers in and out, and they're like tilting like this. Well, I've built plenty of this horrible furniture before, so I know how this is going. I'm like, Zeke, let's pull out the directions. We look at the directions. He's put something in wrong. The little tracks are in wrong. I'm like, buddy, this is wrong. And in that moment, you could see it in his eyes. We've all had that. Well, that would mean I have to start over. Why don't we just, it's fine. So that's what he said. Dad, it goes in and out, it's fine. I wonder if Nicodemus thought that. I wonder if Nicodemus was like, this is close enough. This is good enough. And yet Jesus, who's called rabbi and teacher, is commanding him. That's what rabbis and teachers do. You need to be born again. Not, hey, you should consider, hey, why don't you think about? We approach God's word too often that way. But he's commanding, you need to start over. And so as a good father, I'm like, Zeke, this is not gonna work. We gotta start over. Oh, and the eyes start watering, the face gets flustered. He feels like a failure, which is not the situation. This is just what happens, we're humans. So we go through it, I show him how to do the first one, first drawer, and then I leave, and I come back, and all six drawers are built. Incorrectly, for the second time. I thought he was gonna jump out the second story window. He was so upset. And at this point, he, he doesn't even consider not redoing it. He just says, I'm not doing it again. Oh, bud, this is your sister. Are you really gonna let her have this dresser where she can't open the drawers and close the drawers all the time? Really? Do you think that's cool to do to her? He thought for a second. <laughs> I said, no, buddy, it's not an option. I didn't say, and, but he knew, no, we do this and we do it right. This is the way it's supposed to be done. It's for your sister. And so we do it and it's done. Nicodemus was a teacher of Israel. He had a responsibility to others. When we go through these passages, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting, eternal, full life. It's not just for us. Just like Nicodemus being born again was not just for him. He had a responsibility to others. He needed to get it right for others because he's a leader. He's one that's responsible for others. As we look into this passage over the next two weeks, you need to look at it from the, from the perspective of your responsibility to others. 
You need to look at this knowing that you are not an island unto yourself, but you are connected to the entire human race. You are connected especially to the body of Christ. And they need you to do things right. And that's going to mean tear things apart. So painful, so frustrating. But in the end, you feel good about it because you did the right thing. That is what God is calling Nick to, and that's what he's calling us to. And in that, that's why we can look at what Jesus has done. For God so loved the world that he gave up everything. Jesus didn't just have his father make that decision for him. Zeke had to make the decision himself also. I'm going to redo this. I'm going to tear this thing apart because that's what needs to be done. And in the same way, we have to make those decisions out of love for others. And the only reason we will do that is because we know how much God loves us. When we know that love, we're set free to do anything. Now we look at Nicodemus and we need to understand that Nicodemus is just like us. Nicodemus is not a bad guy. He has this conversation and it doesn't end. He just out. You know what I mean? Like if you've ever been to a party with me, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. I don't go, hey guys, I'm taking off. Good to see you. I just ghost out because I don't know what to do. I feel weird. I hate to say goodbye. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law are moving out of town. It's driving me crazy. It, it, it's breaking my heart. And so I'm like, I can't talk about it. What? I just can't. It just makes me too sad. So when I'm at parties and stuff, I, I feel awkward saying goodbye, so I just ghost out. And so that's what happens here. He just, go, he just disappears. We don't hear, he doesn't say goodbye. Oh, let me think about this. Or Jesus says, hey, I told you. He just disappears. But he reappears later in the book of John. And we see here when the Pharisees are talking about Jesus and talking about this battle that's going on and talking about his death, Nicodemus stands up in this ruling council and says this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? So he's standing up for Jesus, but not 100%, right? He's kind of like, guys, shouldn't we at least talk to him? He doesn't say, hey, you know, I went and I sat with Jesus one time. Like, <gasps> no, he doesn't say that. He goes, shouldn't we at least give him the benefit? Shouldn't we talk to him? And so you could see this process. When someone makes a decision to follow Christ, it's usually a process. For most of us, it's not just a one off. Oh, boom, I'm in. It takes time. Then we see here at the end, after Jesus has been crucified with his body before he's risen again, um, we know Joseph Arimathea asked Pilate for the body. And he was accompanied, as it says here in verse 39, by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. So at this time, when this is happening, they want to bury Jesus before the sun sets. It's very important in Jewish culture. So Nicodemus is doing this in the middle of the day. Not at night anymore. Nicodemus is doing this in the middle of the day. And Nicodemus brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And we were going through this uh, with Kim and Bryn earlier this week. And Kim said something. She goes, you can't really walk around and hide 75 pounds of myrrh and out. Like he's, he's out there now. Look, I'm with this guy. I am not against Jesus. And not only 
am I doing this in the middle of the day, but I spent all this money because he's worth it. It doesn't matter. I want to honor him. He doesn't even know that Jesus is going to be risen from the dead in just hours. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you don't know that truth, like Nicodemus knows now, we want you to know that. For you to understand this passage, we need to understand that interaction between him and Nick. So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna invite our uh, worship team up, who's been amazing this morning, by the way, and ask them to lead us in prayers. If you could stand up and join me, please. Father God, we surrender to you this time. We ask that you open up our eyes and our hearts. Lord, whatever it is that we need to surrender to you, whatever it is we need to start over, we ask for the courage. There's things that we spent a long time building up. Identity, possessions, education, futures, families. Lord, we surrender it all to you in the best that we know how. And Lord, some of us are maybe being faced with this for the first time. And like uh, Nick, we just want to ghost out and, and think about it. But Lord, let no one in this room be able to escape your reckless love, Lord. May it be an echo that just keeps bouncing around in our heads and especially our hearts. Open our eyes, Lord. What does it mean for us to start over and to be born from above? We know how it comes from you. But what's our part, Lord? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just wanted to share, uh, my name's John, by the way, or Esh. Um, I don't normally have such a deep voice. Uh, <laughs> I just want to share a couple reflections. Uh, and I, you know, I've preached here before, and I've sat where you're sitting, and I've watched people do this closing thing and give their reflections, and I've never realized how difficult it is until this moment. Um, but just a couple thoughts. Uh, I kind of relate to Nicodemus in some ways. Uh, you ever been a part of like a group of people or a group of friends, and you've experienced something or seen something, and you want to like go check it out a little bit more, but you're a little bit ashamed, like, oh, if my friends knew I was going here, like, what would they think? Like, you, you'd been listening to like hardcore speed metal your whole life, and then you heard a country song, and you're like, I think I'm gonna go check out that country music, you know, concert, and you're kind of like sheepishly like going there, and you're like all black, and they're, you know, they're welcome in, brother, and uh, I wonder like. I, I think that's a lot of us, a lot of the time, we're, we're coming to places like this because we've seen something, we've experienced something, and we want to know more. Uh, and then I was also struck by Boog's little uh, anecdote about, about uh, building the dresser. And uh, when, you're, when you're living your life a certain way, uh, I feel like in some ways I'm kind of like a dresser. This is ridiculous, but <laughs> go with the analogy or the metaphor here. But you may be operating in such a way 
throughout your life where you have a limited understanding of your total humanity and how you might move through this world. And then all of a sudden, you see like this other dresser over there that's like kicking butt. And you're like, that's an amazing dresser, you know? And what, what I think like in this whole ridiculous analogy is uh, sometimes you gotta be completely remade to function in the way you were meant to function. And sometimes we're ashamed of where we've come from and so we're, we go at night or we go sheepishly or we duck in and out the back and the front and try to not be seen uh, because of what other people might think. And yet uh, Jesus seems to insist, look, you gotta be remade. You gotta be remade because there is this love and vitality and fullness of life to experience, an eternal kind of life, a God's quality of life that's available to you if you would just allow yourself to be remade from the beginning. There's a way that those drawers can function that you didn't even realize. You know, we've been operating like the version one or version two, doing our best to look a lot like it, but Jesus is kind of thinking, you don't even know that that bottom one comes all the way out, man. <laughs> all the way out. And it's got a dampener on it, too. You can slam it, won't crash. It's amazing. Some of us need to be completely remade from the inside out. And, I, you know, that message isn't always easy to hear because it, it, it's sort of like, hey, there's a flaw. I got put together wrong. I'm not sure that's true, but sometimes we get beat up along the way. You know, and we need to be remade by his love. So as dressers, go from this place knowing that Jesus wants to completely to remake you from the inside out, that you need to have a whole new worldview because you may be on a foundation and a paradigm that just does not work. You may, be a, you may have put your life together on a set of instructions that are for something completely different. All right? His love is eternal, it's fulfilling, it is centering, it is vital, it is everything that you are meant to experience. And so go from this place, being remade, and get your kids and clean up. We love you. Thanks for being here. Amen.